Powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, and keep us on track. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you've never looked better. That might be a stretch for some, but I don't think so. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping somebody would pick up on it. <laughs> We're in our series, uh, Red Letter Day, looking at some of the sayings that Jesus shared from the cross. And uh, today is a good one. Today's a good one. And I hope that we will learn from what he wants us to learn today. By way of context, I want to remind you that he was in the garden and he's praying, uh, as the Bible describes, drops of blood falling from his brow. Now, that's some pretty intense prayer. Uh, I've not prayed to where blood is falling out of my forehead, but maybe you have. Jesus was. He was intent in his prayer. He was intent in his heart to do what the Father had sent him to do. Went through a lot of agony, the 39 lashes. You know, we described that, how that would tear the flesh. Uh, the mocking, the spitting, the hitting. He was literally hit in his face so much that it was hard to recognize him as a human being. That's how much he had been beaten with the fists of the soldiers. Made a crown of thorns that they pushed down on top of his head. Uh, we have one up here that is just made from some old brush here in Oklahoma. But if sometime you get a chance, come up and take a look at that crown we have up there. The thorns are quite long. And I took it down one time and tried to put it on my head. What an idiot. <laughs> but Jesus didn't even have an opportunity. They just shoved it down on his head. And I can't imagine. I can't imagine what he went through. Blood streaming down. Face bruised. Suspended in midair, nailed to the cross. As man did his worst, God was at his best. And then Jesus spoke those very first words Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. We've been looking at the passage in Luke 19. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. I'm thirsty. Why would He say that? Well, because it was a fulfillment of many Old Testament prophecies. And they were all fulfilled when He said, I'm thirsty. In verse 29 
The jar of wine vinegar was there. They soaked a sponge in it. They put the sponge on the stalk of of the hyssop plant, lifted it to Jesus' lips uh, in John 19. So they're giving him vinegar, not only to help him quench his thirst, but to torture him a little bit more while he was thirsty. Vinegar is not the best deterrent for thirst. But then he says something in verse 30 of John 19 that's very interesting. Probably the three most amazing words that you would hear the Lord say. And those words are, it is finished. Would you say those three words with me? Ready? It is finished. One more time. It is finished. Imagine, imagine. For a moment, what that really implies. What unfulfilled prophecy was Jesus saying in those three words? It is finished. And then he goes on to say in verse 30 that with that, with the saying of that Phrase, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Actually, it comes from a Greek word, uh, tetelestai. In your notes, if you're taking notes there and following along, it means to end, to complete, to execute, or to discharge a debt. You may well be saying, well, what did he finish? What did he finish? So many of the prophecies had been fulfilled. In fact, the Old Testament has a number of prophecies that were fulfilled at this time in Jesus. In the book of Amos, prophesied that darkness will befall the land and in Isaiah, it says that Jesus would one day be rejected, and he was. Book of Psalms, it says that he was betrayed. In Isaiah, again, it says he was beaten, was spit upon, was wounded and bruised for our transgressions, and he was. The book of Psalms, again, said that he would be mocked, and he was. Zechariah said he would be forsaken by his friends, and he was. Isaiah again said he would pray for his persecutors, and he did. And he would be crucified by thieves, and he was. Psalms said that they would cast lots for his clothing, and they did. It also said that none of his bones would be broken, and they weren't. It also said that he would cry out loud, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he did. It was prophesied that he would be pierced, and he was. It was prophesied that he would, they would give him vinegar to drink when he said, I'm thirsty, and they did. It is finished. All those prophecies had been finished. But what else? What else wasn't done? Satan's plan had been stopped. Since the beginning of the birth of Jesus, Satan did everything that he could to take Jesus off track to never get on the cross. But he completed what God sent him to do. 
And at the moment that he said, it is finished, he had won. He had done everything the Father sent him to do. He had accomplished far beyond what human nature could have done. In fact, none of us would have made it that far. I've told you many, many times that if you were depending on me to hang on the cross and look down and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Nah. If I had the command of 10,000 angels, which Jesus did, no one would have slapped me. <laughs> no one would have beat me. No one would have spit on me. And there would be no crown of thorns shoved on my head. No, I just said... That's all he had to do is just whistle and just bring them in. 10,000 angels would have come and taken care of those Roman soldiers. Now those boys had never been pummeled like they would have been pummeled by the 10,000 angels. And we'd all be going to hell. That's right. Amen. <laughs> and, and so says the Lord. <laughs> if you're visiting with us today, and we're so glad you're our guest today, uh, there is, sometimes I'll get interaction when I'm preaching, so don't, don't, don't. Um, just stay with me. It's okay. It's all right. We're family here. But sin lost its sting, lost its power. Death no longer scared anyone. Jesus could say, I finished what I was sent to do, and that's the best news of all. Is that Jesus finished that work on the cross. And folks, that's good news. That's good news. But the bad news though, even though He finished, we haven't. We haven't. None of us have finished. All of us that are alive today in this room hearing this message... You have unfinished business. You have unfinished business. In Revelation chapter 3, by the way, we're studying Revelation Sunday school, our group, small group time on Sunday morning at 9.30. Come and join us. We'd love to have you back in the back in Felcher Bowl. Studying Revelation. It's a great study. But in chapter 3, Jesus says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Twenty-five years ago, I came face to face with the grace of the gospel of Christ. No, I'd been a Christian. I'd been a Christian for a while. In fact, I was preaching. I was a preacher. I'd been a youth minister, and somebody said, when are you going to grow up and get your own church? So this was my second church, but it's really the first one that I made a choice to go and out of youth ministry and go into preaching. But I needed, I needed to feel the touch of grace in my life. At that time, a light bulb turned on in, in, in my heart, and I, I knew it. I knew it needed to turn on. 
I had been living in a way, I was just going through the motions. I wasn't studying like I should. I certainly wasn't praying like I should. And I got to a point, a pretty dark, dark spot in my life where sin really, you know how it can just jump right in front of you and go, really? <laughs> Glad you're here. And there was a stranglehold. I had allowed Satan to get a stronghold in my life. But I'm so grateful that God wasn't finished with me yet. And I was able, through the encouragement of some very special people in my life, one in particular, to begin to make some changes. Laziness, time away from God, going deeper with God became much more important to me. Began to understand it more. I had a counselor tell me one time, you know, when we go through things like you've just gone through, it helps you understand what those folks in the pew are going through every day. You see, we preachers live in some pretty rose-colored environments. We don't have very many people cussing us out and yelling at us and screaming at us. We just don't. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Like you get at work. Like you get at work. Or when you're standing in the grocery line. Or you're waiting to check out at McDonald's. But as I began to develop that inward character, I realized that I have unfinished business. So I want to ask you, what's your unfinished business? In your notes, I've, I've left some blank lines, and I want to take just a moment, and I want to give you a chance to think a moment on it and be honest with yourself. Now, these are your notes. You're going to take these home. You can write it real quick and then put it inside your bulletin and shut it. That's what you need to do. But I want you to be honest with yourself. And what are some things in your mind that you have unfinished business about? Just very quickly. Jot down. First thing that comes into your mind. What are some unfinished business things that you need that you'd write down on that, on that uh, outline to take home with yourself? You know, it may not be a huge area of hypocrisy like I was living. Maybe it's something that God has burdened you and created you to do that you just haven't seen it through. Maybe God's called you to adopt. I ran into a couple last night that I hadn't seen in a while, and they had raised their children. But he introduced me to his two uh, adopted daughters last night. One is 13. The other is 12. I thought, have you lost your mind? 
prayed for him. I think he's gone nuts. He said, we're having the time of our life. Maybe God's calling you to do that. Maybe be a foster parent. Oh, how much we need good Christian foster parents. What is that unfinished business? Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe it's financial. You need to get out of debt. Yeah, I'd like to get out of debt. Well, quit spending. Don't spend it unless you have it. You know, you're not the United States government. I don't know, maybe your unfinished business is showing love, the love of Christ to somebody that's far from Him. But I just want you to think about, as we go through the rest of our service, you know, let the Spirit reveal in your heart what He would want you to, 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 to finish. Because every single day that God blesses us with another opportunity to live is another opportunity to take one step closer to that purpose that God has put in our life. Each of us have it. Each of us have it. It could be just as simple as raising a godly family. That's not really simple, but it sounds simple. It may not be that you're going to go and preach to millions of people. That That may not be. There's only a few that will ever do that. Only a few. It may be that you're going to just work with your kids and lead them to Christ. Wow. Wasn't it fun on Easter watching parents baptize their children and influencers baptizing those that have been influenced by them? Oh, my goodness. Adopted uncles and grandpas and... Now, Chrissy and I are the clergy. We'll put quotation marks around it for you. But the less we do, the better it is. Because I want you to experience that. And if I were to ask Tyler, Tyler, how would you feel up there baptizing your daughter? He'd probably say, eh, it's a big deal, no big deal, you know, whatever. I don't know if you could see his face, but I could. It was a brief moment. Even Tyler was speechless. Just a brief moment. Because there's something special about your own child standing in that water, giving their life to the Lord. Wow. And Chrissy looked like that Mississippi squirrel guy. Just, boy, she's baptized. I thought we was going to have to give her a break on her left arm. But what's finished? So let me give you a couple of ways that we can finish strong in our remaining time. Number one, we're going to make a commitment. Going to make a commitment. I see some of you saying, I've already made a commitment. Oh, really? Have you? Have you really made a commitment? 2 Corinthians 8, 11 says, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it According to your means. Let's say that. Read that again for you. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your 
completion of it. Don't start and stop. Start and finish. Start and finish. Our culture sees commitment and defines it merely as eager willingness. See, we'll commit to it. We're going to lose weight. How many January 1 this year? Raise your hand. Be honest. Said you're going to lose weight this year. Three of us. Okay, fantastic. Okay. I don't know what it was you said you were going to do. How's that working for you? Now that we're four months into it. How's that working for you? That's what I thought too. Because it's really hard to lose weight when you have double stuffed Oreos still in the pantry at your house. And ice cream. And it's so good of Oreo. I'm so glad that the Oreos have made the little wafer size Oreos, don't you? Have you seen the little smashed up ones? They used to be real thick with that white stuff. And now they're little bitty like this. What does that tell you? You can have three times as many. It takes three of those to match one of those. And if it's double stuff, it's six of them. If you lay them on top of each other, you eat the whole pack. It's good. Hey, you're preaching to the choir up here. Yeah. I buffet my body daily to stay in the race. You understand what I'm saying? In the spring of 1519, Hernando Cortez received permission from the governor of Spain to take 11 ships and 700 men to discover a new world. They sailed with all eager willingness to expand the territories of Spain, to increase the treasures that they would find in this new land. And when they landed in Veracruz, this eager willingness began to fade pretty quick because they discovered the most savage, violent natives that they they had not prepared for. And so the crew all of a sudden began to fall away. They began to think, what are we doing here? They began to talk to one another and say they wanted to go home. They don't like the food. They don't like who they're having to bump down with. They wanted to go. So Cortez did something incredibly crazy. He ordered one of his crew members to simply burn the ships. Burn the ships. And once they burned the ships, it changed the mindset of the crew because they realized that we're not going anywhere, so we better dig down deep and here we go. So it went from eager willingness to a commitment. A commitment to win. A commitment to settle. A commitment to be successful. That's the way Jesus was. He got to the garden and he prayed, didn't he? Father, if there's any other way, may this cup pass from me. And yet, he said, not my will, but yours be done. Hallelujah that he said, your will be done. When I was at the gym last week, and they were, I saw on the board the stuff they had written up there. I said, there is no way that I can do that anymore. I haven't done it in five months. I laid down and I started doing setups and I thought, oh, this is going well. So I did 60, just ripped them right off like I was a, an animal. The next day, I couldn't stand up straight. I said, what are you doing? 
every breath hurt. And then I'd get to laughing and that was worse. So I vowed, I'm going to make a commitment, never do that again. (laughs) But I'm so glad that Jesus in the garden showed himself like I would be. But he understood commitment and he went. He went. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, he prays. But then he said, not my will, yours be done. So in that moment, it was on. And if we're going to finish strong, we've got to start with commitment. And then number two, we're going to take the next step. Take the next step. That's why every week I put on your connection card, next steps to take. You'll notice there's a verse of Scripture every week. If you will memorize every one of those verses that we put on that card, you will memorize 52 verses in a year. Wow! Well, I, I can't memorize my own name. That's all right. Work at it. Work at it. You tell me the hobby that, you, that you're involved in, and I will tell you something about that hobby, but you can quote it verbatim. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Why? Because you can't memorize. Right. Right. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you want to know how to walk right with God, get into His Word. Where do I start? I don't care where you start. Let it fall open and just start reading. If that's what you need to do. best place to start is the Gospel of John. Because John teaches you about the loving, gracious Jesus. God's Word is beautiful. It's alive. And it will become alive in you the more hungry you are and the more you seek, it will come alive in your life. And you're going to see, wow! I didn't see this before. Wow! That is awesome! And you're going to go. Or you can open the Bible and say, well, it's a translation I can't understand. How do I know this is true anyway? Don't be skeptical. Go in hungry. Got to know, got to know, got to know. I like talking to our coaches, and they coach these young, these young kids. And when they first get them, oh my goodness, it's just minds full of mush. That's all they are. They think they know how to do things. They think they know how to play the sport. They think they can do it all until they're put under pressure. Then they realize they can't do anything. You know, Bryant coaches the cornerbacks on defense. They have the hardest job because they have to cover the best wide receivers of any offense that comes to play against Jinx. And those wide receivers are tall and they're fast and they're going to play at Oklahoma University or someplace like that. And these little bitty guys have to cover those guys. When we beat Union, um, maybe it was last year? No, two years ago we beat Union. Two years ago. They had one of those kind of wide receivers. He was tall. He was three foot taller than our cornerback. They didn't throw to him one time. Because every time the quarterback looked for that receiver, that little bitty cornerback was jumping up and down like a little rabbit right in front of him like this. Because that guy would stop and that little guy would jump up and down. His head came about right here on that, on that receiver. All you had to do was throw it up here. He'd have scored a touchdown every time. 
But they were afraid to call it because that little guy was jumping up and down, you see. Because he made a commitment. I'm going to cover you, boy. You're not going to get away from me. What kind of commitment are you making? You know, I found myself years ago a million miles away from God. But it took some confession. It took some honesty. And it took a next step. And the next step was to say, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to be different. I'm going to do it different. Now, for you, you might just need to write a letter. You know, I've got some more blanks there for you on your next steps. You know, what are some next steps you're going to do? Maybe it's just writing a letter. Maybe it's making a phone call. Maybe it's sending an email. Maybe it's cutting up credit cards and not using them anymore. I mean, after all, the percentage rate is 900 million percent. Might as well be. I'm going to fill out that resume. I'm going to update it. I don't know what your next step is. Maybe it's to forgive somebody. Maybe that next step for you is to surrender to Jesus for the very first time today. You see, when Jesus clawed his way up to the place where the nails the size of railroad spikes would pierce his wrist and his feet, he was taking another step. Actually, the last step. He could have quit anywhere along the way. But he kept going to the next step, to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In 1968, in the Mexico City Olympics, John Stephen Aquari from Tanzania set out for hopes of an Olympic gold medal. He was a marathoner to run 26.2 miles. For John... Midway through the race, he suffered a terrible accident. He fell to the ground, gashing his knee and dislocating his knee from the joint. And that was certainly going to keep him from finishing the race. All the other runners left him and just kept going. And eventually, John got up. It was over an hour after the race had been run and all the runners had been completed their, their part of the race. John Stephen Aquari shocked the world. Because when the stadium was almost empty, this injured runner hobbled into the stadium, limping and fighting his way to the finish line. Leg was wrapped in a towel blood gushing down his leg, this man finished the race with hardly anybody there to see it. And that's what you and I are going to have to do with the unfinished business in our life. After the race, interviewers asked John, why did you do that when... You didn't really have to do that. I love his answer. My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish it. What do you got yet to do? What do you have yet to do? 
In Acts 20 and verse 24, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task. Father, I ask you this morning. Many in this room are living testimonies of the gospel of grace in their life. You've allowed me to taste it. You've allowed others to taste it. And so, God, now I'm asking for others to experience it and to finish their race. If we're still alive, it just simply means that we're not yet done. Father, would you bring healing to us? Would you bring completion into us? So that on that final day, when we stand before you, we will hear the words, Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. May we finish the race. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a song of invitation invites you to uh, consider making a commitment to Christ today as we stand and sing together. Mm-hmm.